Welcome to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. Pray with me, please. God, we ask that you open our hearts and our minds this morning to hear, to feel what you want for us. We ask you to help us to hear what we need to hear and that we would go committing to do what you called us to do. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. 
I was a new kid in elementary school. It was sixth grade, field day. I didn't have any friends at the time. And we lined up for one of our races. And, of course, all the fast kids, or thought, those who thought they were fast, lined up. And I knew I enjoyed running. And one of the fastest kids was just a few away from me. And we took off, and I beat him, the new kid. He didn't like me. He told me that later when he and I ran track together and became best of friends. I didn't like this guy in the beginning. The moment I drove onto my college campus, there was a strange-looking, orange-haired new guy standing on the sidewalk in front of the big administration building. It was a small campus. I knew everyone, and everyone knew me. But I didn't know this guy. He was new. He had a goofy grin on his face. Stared in my direction as I parked, got out of the car, said hello, and walked inside. I have to admit, I shivered a bit, thought... Buddy, I have my friends already and forgot all about him. Fast forward 22 years later, several months ago, he, his wife, and one of his daughters stopped by Baton Rouge to have dinner with my family and spend the night on their way back to their home in Florida. I look back to the day when I first met Scott think about how I'd written him off instantly because I'd had friends had enough friends and something about the way he looked the moment a few years later though when I desperately needed a friend it was to his apartment that I found it then after I moved away to Atlanta for grad school he called me, invited me to his church to preach revival services. And then in 2001, excuse me, July 1st, 2000, don't tell my wife I said that. He drove all the way up from Orlando to attend my wedding. Surprised me. So once strangers, we are now friends. We check on each other, we talk shop, show up for the big moments, and try to stay in touch. If you would, for a moment, think about the friends you last shared a meal with. Well, think back a little farther when they were not your friends, but they were strangers. Remember back when you first met them, who made the first move. What happened? Think about your neighbors, the people in your neighborhood. 
those who live next door, those across the street, those a few doors down. You remember them before they were friends, they were once strangers to you. Think back, when did it begin, your friendship? Once strangers, you are now people who have lent them your tools. Have you gotten them back? You've shared dessert. You've washed each other's house, fed their pets. Now look around the church at these people who are your friends. Think back to a time when they were strangers to you. How did you meet? Who made the first move? Once strangers, now they are people you have prayed with, you've worked alongside, you've struggled with, you've shared meals with, worked on mission projects with, fought with, maybe over the color of the carpet, or the purchase of new furniture, changes in bylaws, and those sorts of things. Once strangers, you are now more than friends. You are family, brothers and sisters in Christ. Once strangers, says the writer to the Ephesians, we are now brought near by the blood of Christ. He is our peace. Once we were far, but Jesus brought us near. I'll have to admit, give you a peek inside my head a moment. When I hear about near and far, my mind goes to PBS. So that old TV show, Sesame Street, and that blue monster puppet taught us near and far. Near, he would run to the camera. Far, he would run back away from the camera. Many of us may have learned near and far by watching that. I was going to do my Grover voice. I'm going to spare you unless you just really want to hear it. Once we were far, once we were strangers, says Ephesians, but now he brings us near. He is our peace. Now, that sounds sweet and nice. I learned that that actually has troubling implications. It is no easy reconciliation. It is not an easy peace. In his personal evangelism book, Just Walk Across the Room, Bill Hybels encourages Christians with a simple method of making friends, of turning strangers into friends in order to share the gospel. He says, simply, take the first step. Walk across the room. You take the initiative. Just as Christ himself took the initiative for us. Someone has to make the first step. It is our model as Christians 
our Lord made the first move and brought us close. Now, it's harder for those who are not naturally outgoing. Some might find it easy, but it can be scary. But Jesus' reconciliation was not an easy peace, nor an easy relationship. Mahi Kim Court puts it this way. Here's what she says. These are heady words, not because they have to do with ancient and eternal realities, but because these are the words of revolution. These are words of revolution. Now, we don't hear that when we read it. I don't hear it. These words just slide from our mouths effortlessly, but turns out they have teeth, sharp teeth. Listen, he is our peace. To make a new people, a new citizenship, Ephesians says. He, Christ, is our peace and no one else. These are words of treason in that day. Those who were opposed to the state, they bring demonstrations and protests. Here's why I say that. Sally Brown, in her online, online commentary, says this. It is crucial to recognize that any talk of peace within the context of Asia Minor in the late first century, under Roman rule, would be politically charged talk. The talk of peace in this context, at that time, under Roman rule, is politically charged talk. I thought this whole idea of nearness, of peace, of making strangers friends was more of a spiritual, warm, fuzzy heart thing. Turns out, it's quite political. Roman emperors at the time were understood and recognized as more than political authorities and officials. They were more vessels of divine or the gods. They, yes, heads of state, but were also the authors and originators of peace themselves. So, to say Christ is our peace was like denying their political power and authority and the legitimacy of the empire. It's like saying, Jesus is my president, not the elected one. It, so it took great courage and conviction to stand up to those powers. I read about his time as premier of the Soviet Union. Nikita Khrushchev denounced many of the policies and atrocities of Joseph Stalin. Once, as he was reprimanding Stalin in a public meeting, Khrushchev was interrupted by a heckler who shouted, you were once his colleague, why didn't you stop him? Khrushchev 
shot back. Who was that? Who said it? It was a painful silence. No one said a word. And he said, now you know. Fear. It's terrifying to stand up to the powers. Ephesians declares peace on new terms, not under the authority of their leaders, but based on the cross, the blood, and the body of Christ. So it's not an easy peace. It's the kind that undermines human-created walls. The lines of division and separation, Ephesians says. The cross undermines that wall dividing the Jews from the non-Jews at that time, the Jews and the Gentiles. No longer is that wall there because the cross of Christ tears it down. And the boundaries that God established between them, even the boundaries that God created, are overthrown by the cross. But that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning of the overthrow of lines of separation and walls of division between us as individuals, as we make friends, and as citizens. There are first century walls that were torn down there are 21st century walls that are up. Once strangers, no longer far, but near. He is our peace. Sally Brown writes this, The new household of God is not purely spiritual reality that we visit briefly on Sundays, a weekly timeout, if you would, where we pretend peace is possible by sitting next to people we carefully and meticulously avoid the rest of the week. Okay? Is that true? The church, she says, is the daring practice of a new politics, a different kind of power, the self outpoured, boundary-crossing power of Christ's cross. God bringing diverse and separate, separated people together. We are experts at dividing and separating. But Jesus was in the business of uniting bringing us near. Imagine how subversive that would be at that time. Imagine how subversive, subversive it would be if we found aliens and strangers in our midst, in this place, in our pews, in Christ's pews, that is, today. Fred Craddock tells a story I think is perfect for getting us to the moment of decision from this passage. 
He says that every Christmas he used to go home to West Tennessee and he would go to a restaurant that his friend owned. His name was Buck. And he'd go to Buck's restaurant and every Christmas he'd say, Merry Christmas, Buck, and Buck would give him a piece of pie and a cup of coffee. It was the same every year, he said. Go home for Christmas, Merry Christmas, Buck. Buck would give him a piece of pie and a cup of coffee for free. Except this one particular time, he went home, he said, Merry Christmas, Buck. And Buck said, I want you to go get coffee with me. He said, get coffee? He said, I thought this was a restaurant. He says, well, I wonder sometimes. Let's go. And so they went somewhere, got coffee together. And he said, you see the curtain in my restaurant? He said, yeah, I saw the curtain. I always see the curtain. What he meant was the restaurants back then, like many houses, were shotgun-shaped. They had a front entrance and a back entrance. You know those, many of them in New Orleans. There's a front entrance and a back entrance. One for the street, one for the alley. And in the middle, there is a kitchen. And there's a curtain separating the front of that restaurant from the back of the restaurant. If you were white, you came in off the street, entered the front. If you were black, you entered from the alley. He said again, did you see the curtain? That curtain has to come down. Craddock says, I told him, good, bring it down. He said, well, that's easy for you to say, come in here once a year and tell me how to run my business. He said, okay, leave it up. He said, I can't leave it up. Okay, take it down. He said, I can't take it down. After a while, he said, if I take the curtain down, I'm going to lose a lot of my customers. But if I leave it up, I'm going to lose my soul. He is our peace and no one else. Words of revolution. That slides from our mouth so effortlessly because it's lost its teeth, but that peace had a price. It came with risk. It is not safe. It is not comfortable. He is our peace and no one else. Those words incite demonstrations and overthrows and undermines and risks to societies and systems against the powers that be. God reconciles us to himself. We could not do it. We could not cross that boundary, that wall, but he made it possible for us. It's because of him he chooses to bring us near. But it's our job to live it out. To live out this reconciliation in courageous and creative ways today. By boundary breaking. By reconciling. By bringing others near to us. When you see a stranger, 
break that boundary, walk across the room, take the first step. If there are high walls, sharp divisions, tear them down in Christ. Take the risk. In the name of Christ, tear them down. Then you'll say, one day, once strangers, but strangers no more. Pray with me, please. God, there is much fear in making a stranger a friend. There is fear of crossing the boundaries, overlooking the differences, the fear of what it might cost us. Thank you, you did not consider that cost too high a price to pay. And you brought us close. Thank you for the relationship that we could not make for ourselves. We pray your people will be just like you as we go to our places of work, into school, and the market. Make us friends. In Christ we pray. Amen.
Thanks for tuning in to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Baltimore Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. Please like, review, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. If you have any questions, please submit them through the Anchor app. Or join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. right in our own Broadmoor Baptist Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Otherwise, I hope you have a good week.